Welcome to The Bridge, a podcast for dental professionals featuring the insights and expertise of fellow dental professionals. Let's welcome our host, Stephen Cusa. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Bridge Dental Podcast. I'm Steve Cusa, your host. And today we have a, we're very lucky to be joined by Danielle McKinley. Danielle, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining us. And for those of you listening, today is a spot episode with Danielle. She's an expert. She's known as the AKA the HIPAA chick. (laughs) Uh, She's a wife, a mom, a friend, a positive energy enthusiast. Gratitude is her attitude. So, yep. (laughs) The namaste, right? That's (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, but Danielle is joining us on this spot episode. It's it's around compliance and a lot of HIPAA compliance. And uh, she's going to talk to us and you about how to turn compliance into savings, both time and money. And then you can turn those savings potentially into investable dollars with your said host, Steve Kuzma, in the long term. So very excited to have you Um you know, the, the dental group that I tested was really excited to hear more about this and see what gaps or overlaps that they have in their own practices. So thank you for joining us, Danielle. And why don't you kick it off by giving your own intro and telling us where you are today and, and kind of what your specialty is. Sure, absolutely. So where I'm at today is I am helping the dental community. I am helping simplify compliance in in the shortest answer possible. And I've been I've been in risk mitigation specializing in HIPAA compliance for over 10 years. I've consulted thousands of practices and I'm really passionate about removing barriers so that dentists can focus on what they love best, which is patience and enjoying their personal life and really automating compliance teaching them how they can delegate. And like you said, turn compliance into savings. Now, do you do this for um, obviously individual practices? Do you also do this for DSO groups as well? Like what's your range of uh, in scope of work? Yeah. So we, we do it for all, all except hospitals. We okay. don't touch hospitals, um, any other like group practices, individual practices. I will say that we built our business with the mindset of advocating for the small practice. Okay. So our solution is designed to, to fit even like a one man practice um, so that, you know, they have so many moving pieces and they don't have the resources as say a group office or a hospital. So we definitely advocate for a small practice, but we can service anything up to the size of a hospital. Okay. Well, that's a great introduction, but let's take the gloves off a little bit. <laughs> I want you to, you know, to hit these dentists right in the teeth where they need to hear it, but tell us what do the dentists need to know? Or I guess, you know, what I'm more curious about is what are they missing when you, you know, onboard a new client or even look into a practice and, and start to evaluate their compliance? What are you seeing right now uh, with these practices and, and where are the gaps? Yeah. So, I mean, the the overall like common denominator, if you will, is that doctors don't realize they don't know what they don't know. So a lot of times it's a matter of them not being aware of where their gaps are. So they have no idea that there's action that needs to be taken to address it and protect themselves from penalties. So that's the the main theme, if you will. And, And it really is because 
they're not taught it in school. Just like you and I weren't taught how to file our taxes. HIPAA compliance isn't something that they're taught. And once they open their own business, it comes with the territory and it's not a fun topic, right? It's, we can, we can both agree that it's not exciting. So it's easy and natural that it gets pushed down the the priority list, but it comes with real risk. Just like, you know, you, I say to my clients, you wouldn't not file your taxes. Compliance carries that same weight. So how often, if I'm a practice owner, how often should I be reviewing my compliance? If I was, I guess if I was really good at it. You should be reviewing your compliance every year. So once a oh, year, wow. if okay. you were, if you were a straight A student, so to speak, you would be taking a risk assessment every single year. And the purpose of a risk assessment is to help you understand any changes that have happened because like taxes, compliance laws are a moving target. So the purpose of the risk assessment is health and human services way of saying, Hey, this is a requirement and it's designed to keep you informed of things you need to be doing to protect not just your, your practice, but really this is about protecting the patient's information. Okay. So if I, if I, again, just looking at it, if I'm the dentist and I need to start getting more information in this area, like how would I even get started? I'm, I'm a new practice owner, right? I just want to know how much profit expenses, revenue, now you're adding this compliance piece that you're saying I got to do every year. So how, how would I manage that process? Yeah. So as a startup, you're not going to have anything, right? So the, the best first step is to get with a consultant to understand what the needs are and really ask those questions. Like, what do I need for training? How do I get a HIPAA manual? How do I do OSHA compliance? Start with a consultant to give you a roadmap of the things you need because you're starting from scratch. You mm-hmm. have nothing, right? If you're an existing practice, by far, the number one thing you should do as soon as possible is take a risk assessment mm-hmm. because that's going to give you like a, it's it's like a health assessment. It's just like what you do when you look inside someone's mouth and you determine what their treatment plan is. It's your compliance treatment plan. So it'll break down like, what are you doing well? Where do you have gaps? And then call out how you can correct them. So um, for those of you listening, Danielle and I talked beforehand and she was very kind because, you know, to do that risk assessment, that can cost anywhere up from 700 to a thousand bucks to even get those done on an annual basis. So she gave me uh, the permission <laughs> to use a link that we would be able to provide. And we can do this if you guys reach out to us. We'll put this in the show notes. Um, it's a free risk assessment, right, Danielle, essentially where they can start the process of at least understanding where they stand today. Yep. It's a free assessment. It'll fulfill the requirement that they have for the year. So they're by taking it, they're getting that education and they're also checking a box and something they should be doing anyway. And it comes with a full report that explains how they did, what action items they need to take if there's gaps. So um, you said something important. It fulfills, it checks the box. This is key. So most existing, most existing practices, are, are they not doing this? Are they not checking that box? Is that what you're seeing? Yeah. So a lot of practices, you know, with with everything that's happened and with like ransomware attacks and cyber incidents that are happening, since I've been doing this for so long, more and more practices today, they really understand and sometimes even share with me that it kind of keeps them up at night. It's one of those afterthoughts where they're going off to sleep (laughs) and they're like, I need to do something about this. The challenge that we hear all the time is they just don't know where to start. They don't, there's so many moving pieces to it and they attend, you know, these courses or these CE events, and they leave just scared and overwhelmed mm. because it's so much information. So if that is if that resonates and that's something you're feeling, take a risk assessment. It'll clear it all up for you. 
Yeah, that's really interesting because you you wouldn't know where to start. Yeah, it's like great presentation, Danielle, but I have no idea how I'm going to fix this. So I'm just going to go on about my daily life going yeah. forward. Yeah, so you could take the risk assessment and get dialed in and then, you know, work with your team or others to start working towards a solution. Um, what if they're not fulfilling this? You know, the other thing I'm thinking about, they're not checking this box every year. What's the risk associated with that? Massive. So okay. it's it's huge financial risk. So when a practice is non-compliant, they the penalties range between ten thousand and one point five million per violation. Oh my goodness! So crippling, especially for a small practice, and that risk can totally go away by addressing your compliance requirements. So, for instance, like there's three things that can happen. You can have a breach an audit or an investigation. In all of those scenarios, the first thing you're going to be asked for is your risk assessment. Because Health and Human Services knows if they don't have the risk assessment, cha-ching, we're going to make some money here because that that typically indicates that you're not going to have your ducks in a row for the compliance requirements. Uh, interesting. Um, so why, you know, outside of doctors not knowing what they know, what do you think are some myths to compliance? Like, do people just think they're going to be able to skate by or correct it? Or maybe it's not as big as of a risk that you just described, which really could be catastrophic to a small practice uh, if yeah. it's a big violation. Certainly. So I'll share like the top three myths that I see. Um, first one's going to be around like the HIPAA manual and the documentation. A lot of practices think like I bought a manual, I bought some templates, I put on the shelf. Yes, I'm good to go. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If you are doing that, it's the equivalent of having no manual at all, okay. because what the laws require is that the manual be customized to your practice that it include the state laws as well as the federal requirements. And then you got to maintenance it over time. So if you're thinking, oh, I bought that template a few years ago, it's collecting dust on the shelf. That is not that is not protecting you from the penalties that we talked about. Okay. The second one is going to be around training. So the, the purpose of training is to ensure the team understands do's and don'ts, but it's also to protect the doctor from human error. And human error is 90% of the time the cause of a breach or a complaint. So the misconception around training is I went to a CE course. I'm good. And that, that doesn't cover the, the training requirements. So there's three main things you have to have proof of content so that health and human services can make sure you're educating on the right stuff. Accountability, i.e. quizzes. You got to okay. test the understanding because it was not exciting might start scrolling Facebook and then signed acknowledgement forms. And lastly, you have to have real-time access to the training. So if you bring on a new hire, you need to be able to educate them and prove that you did so. So if they make a mistake, you're not hit with those penalties. It's interesting. So on that second myth, I'm thinking it's not just that the doctor went to a CE course and they learned about it. It's like this has to spread to your entire team and at least be documented so. Yeah, you got to you got to check the boxes and be able to, to prove it in the way that health and human services wants. If you if you went to a CE course, it's like think of it from a tax standpoint of the IRS is auditing you and you're like, I filed my taxes right. and they say, where's the return? Oh, I don't know. Right. It's the same thing. You got to have that that physical proof. Right. Um, so, yeah. And then the third one is going to be around business associate agreements. And that is so if if you're working with like your firm or a IT company or practice management software, an appointment setting company, you need to be sending them a business associate agreement. 
And a business associate agreement basically communicates that, hey, you're doing business with my practice. If you cause an incident, you have responsibility. That's what it's indicating. So it's designed to help share the liability and and kind of push it off if the practice isn't the cause. Most practices um, are working with vendors who are giving them an agreement, which is great because that vendor is saying, hey, I'm aware of this. Here's my proof that I'm aware of it. But for a practice to really get the protection and meet the requirement, they need their own agreement. Do you think, you know, let's say that's a practice owner starts to implement some of these steps and and really pick up compliance on the right end of this, doing the checks every year. Um, is that, how do you recommend they should go about that? Should that be something they delegate? The, the, should the doctor take ownership? Does it matter when health and human services ever would come in who actually does that? Yeah. So the, so let's, let's go backwards a little bit. So okay. practices are always trying to be more productive, right? They, they want to be a multi-million dollar practice. They want more time with their family. Maybe they want to write a book or have their own podcast someday. Right. The peers that are doing that, that, that inspire them and that they look up to are masters at delegating. <laughs> Compliance is something you should absolutely delegate because okay. you want to spend your time where your strengths lie right? That, that's usually where we naturally are attracted is to, to go where our strengths are because we feel confident about ourselves. So for a doctor, they, they want to treat patients. For an office manager, they want to run the intricacies of the, the practice. And because both aren't taught compliance, it's hard for it to be a strength because it's a complicated topic, right? So my recommendation is always Compliance is absolutely an area in your business that you can outsource and delegate to automate it and ensure that your team is focusing on patients and running the practice. And, and, you know, we're talking about the compliance part of this. And there's also a human emotional part of of actual breach or of someone's information getting out the wrong way that doesn't want it. I mean, there's an emotional part there. So there's the fine. That's why the fines are so heavy, right? So people who have been through... Um, I want to say this incident, either one, how do they prepare for it? Or two, like, tell us, I don't want you to tell us horror stories, but tell, tell us maybe sure. some avoidable stories that, that you've seen. Yeah. So, I mean, look, here's the thing is it, it is scary, right? Cause it's a, a, a lot of, a lot of money, but it doesn't have to feel like a burden or some, it, it doesn't need to feel scary. All you want to do is make sure you're prepared. There's, you're never going to make yourself bulletproof because cyber criminals are always going to be 20 steps ahead of us. Right. So how you prepare for it and feel that confidence or peace of mind rather that, okay, if something does happen, I'm prepared, I'm ready to go. And I'm going to be able to protect my practice from penalties is starting with an emergency and incident response plan and getting an understanding of the breach notification loss. So I'll give you a a little bit about it today. You have to do a forensic investigation. That's going to determine what patient information was affected. So you want to have lined up essentially, like, who am I going to go to to get that? Because your IT IT person's not responsible for it, right? Right. Um, Then you have to notify the individuals. You also have to provide them with things like identity theft monitoring and insurance. So going again, going through a risk assessment, meeting with a consultant and having them map that out for you is a really great way to get prepared and and just have that knowledge that, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to do to minimize me being taken away from my day to day activities. So let's talk about that. So our 
Just uh, for those listening, a full disclosure, I, I don't work with Danielle directly. Danielle and I met through the social media platform to bring this information to Dennis. Um, and so, Danielle, how would, you know, how would a practice work with you and your team? But what would that even entail when they work with either you or your team or just a, a compliance firm like yourself? Yeah. So in working with us, we, our philosophy is how do we take care of it for you? How do we take it off your desk? Right. So our, our firm is designed to automate compliance, really go with that theme of delegating and take on the work for them. So a practice will, will we, we either work usually with the doctor or the office manager as the point person within the practice. We do 95% of the work the small amount that we can't do for a practice, we hold their hand through it. Mm -hmm. And then we act as a live consultant. So any questions that come up, scenarios that arise that they're unsure how to navigate, they have live support in order to do it. What's typically the hesitation to do it? So it's they don't know that they need to do it, number one, it seems. And then two, so hopefully we're, we're broadcasting that, hey, start with the the compliance review and then you know go from there but is it cost is it what what, what are they missing uh if they understand compliance could be a potential threat what are they usually missing after that yeah i mean once so for practices like once like speaking from our experience once a practice sits with us and goes through it it's very uncommon if they don't move forward with our program just because it's so turnkey and affordable right but it it comes down to you know for startups, for instance, they're like, okay, I didn't think about that. I got to go back and put it into the budget and work that in. And there's ways that that we can help them offset um, some of the expenses and, and things like that. So it, I mean, like anything, it can come down to expenses. But one of the things that's really unique about our firm is we look at many areas within a practice where they may be having some components of compliance in place today, and we're able to eliminate it because we're giving them a complete solution. And so our program ends up paying for itself and they actually save money and become truly compliant. And then they can spend time on patient care and bedside manner and creating an office environment and all those good things and fun stuff that they like to do versus yeah. stressing out about compliance at seven at night you know, starting to think about, all right, what, I got to write my HIPAA handbook here. Right. Um, so, all right. So the, the next step then for those listening is we got to get you guys to do a compliance review, uh, a free health, you know, free compliance checkup. Right. So. Yeah. And I mean, if, if like, I'm always happy to answer questions. I love being a resource. Um, no, like no obligation, nothing. It's just more, if, if I can help one practice, be able to spend more time generating revenue for themselves because they learn something new about compliance. That is a win for me. So um, you, you said you've been doing this for 12 years. You've consulted thousands of practices. Why? Tell us what's the best part for you. Why do you do what you do? Yeah. You know, for me, uh, it's because I get to help. So if I was uber wealthy, which hopefully I will be someday, hmm. I would be a philanthropist. So it's a form of that for me because of like the, the way that we've designed it for a doctor and how it, you know, we're able to eliminate barriers. We're able to save them money and give them true peace of mind. It's super fulfilling for me to remove barriers so that people can focus on what they love. Right. I can imagine that, that when practices get this implemented, how often do they meet with your team? Is this something that they implement once a year then, or meet with you guys once a year, once it's implemented? 
Yeah. So there's an annual check-in definitely. And then um, we manage all the updates. So one of the challenges about the way the laws are is much like, you know, tax law, there's changes every year and you rely on your CPA to file your taxes accordingly. HIPAA and OSHA laws change and evolve throughout the year too. And just like the IRS, they don't push out or make it easily accessible. And practices aren't going to find the time to go research and read and and, and do that stuff. So as changes happen, there's engagements with us in that way because we're giving them the update. We're giving them that new information. And then always there's going to be annual um, training and check-ins and stuff. So uh, would that also include with new staff hires, uh, the people coming on board? Okay. And then yep. what, what about, um, I'm just thinking as, a, as if I owned a practice and I bring on an independent associate and we're starting to work that relationship. How would that play into HIPAA compliance? Is that someone that they need to get up to date on the training or have forms signed, et cetera? Yeah. So depending on how it's structured, like if they come in as a true partner and they're now 50-50 shareholders, um, there's there's different ways that we structure it. But it, it, regardless of what the relationship is like, whether it's like an independent co- contractor situation or they're coming on as a, a true partner and an owner of the practice, they're going to need to go through the training. Okay. That's good to know. And good for those listening. If you, if you have an independent, cause there's associates do bounce around, um, you know, some stick, some don't, some, you think they stick and they move on. So don't just let them come in the firm for three to six months and not have this training or be signed off on, um, would be the advice that we're giving here, right? Just on a general level. So, all right, Danielle, what else would you like to share about compliance and saving time and money? Well, you know, I think I'll share. So I, I are you on Clubhouse? Yes. Yeah. So I did. Uh, have you heard of the Dental Huddle Club? I have not heard of the Dental Huddle you Club. Check it out. It's um, this girl, Shasta. She has a medical billing company. She's amazing. It, it, she brings on tons of guests. You would be great on there, too. Thank you. I did. Um, I'm telling you this because I hosted an event last night and got some really good questions. And one that was very popular was reviews. So writing reviews on or responding to reviews, what is the HIPAA compliance issues there? Are there any? So that might be one that seems to be common that we could talk through. So um, the number one thing you need to know is that if you're writing, if you're responding to a review, make sure you do not acknowledge that they are a patient or disclose any uh, information about their health history or their medical information. So you may be inclined to say something like, oh, thanks so much for the review. We loved seeing you. We appreciate the positive feedback and look forward to seeing you again soon. That's not HIPAA compliant because you're acknowledging that they were a patient, right? So a better answer would be something like, um, we value providing great patient care. We love hearing about positive experiences. Thank you for your feedback. Super generic. You're still accomplishing the same message, but you're not actually acknowledging that they're a patient. Wow. That That is a big deal. Because I, I see dental offices across the board, the, the reviews are a good thing. It's promotion for your office, right? So Oh, yeah. You and want the, them. And exactly. And the marketing firms focus in on those reviews, right? Your Google reviews, et cetera. Yeah, just hit the like button on one of those reviews, I guess, to, to really stay compliant. But so you're saying if, if somebody did, if I wrote the review and, and the doctor acknowledged that I was his patient, that could be uh, a violation of HIPAA compliance. 
Yeah. You just never know how things are going to turn. And sometimes, you know, there's people that are really baiting a practice, especially with negative reviews, not, not so common with the positive ones, gotcha. but the, the negative reviews are where people usually get in trouble. Um, so there's different like templates and stuff. And those are things that, that we help with on the consultant side. If you're not sure how to respond to something, ask before you do it right. to make sure that you're, you're protecting yourself. I'm just thinking as a, as a practice owner, I would never uh, want to have that responsibility. So it's like team, we need, you know, let's delegate this, not only delegate. the responsibility, but have a firm just double check, you know, what we're doing there because the, the review is there. So how we yeah. respond, let's just make sure it's measured. Well, that is great. I'm glad you added that piece. And um, yeah, Clubhouse is a great feature. So the dental huddle club, that's cool. So you guys yeah. can check that out on, on definitely Clubhouse. check it out. It's kind of the future of podcasting is is this clubhouse live check-in, live question yeah. sessions. I feel like it's a version of like Instagram or Facebook live, but without video. I think right. eventually they'll they'll enhance it. But yeah, it's it's definitely a, a cool place. So definitely check it out if you haven't been on Clubhouse. Well, Danielle, thank you for joining us. Um, again, in our show notes, we'll add your contact info and how to get a hold of you and your team. And um, you'll be able to either reach out to Danielle directly or uh, reach out to me so that you can get your $750 to, you know, thousand dollar free review check. Um, so we instantly save you money just by listening to this podcast and um, hopefully save you costs in the future and time that you're getting the right stuff done. HIPAA is a very important topic um, or else the fines and, and penalties wouldn't be so big. Um, so we appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. And if questions continue to come in post this podcast, we'll have you back on uh, to teach us a little bit more. Awesome. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you, Danielle. Well, thank you everybody for joining the Bridge Dental Podcast. Uh, this was our spot episode with uh, professional HIPAA chick, Danielle McKinley, episode number 17. Thank you for joining us.